This is the Desperate Mothers Podcast. CJ Watson and the mothers of desperation discuss ongoing work behind the scenes of their sketch comedy channels and the upcoming web series, The Bunny Rabbit Tragedies. Bunny rabbits and vampires and onions living together? Oh my. Check out what these desperate mother are up to this week. Okay, so that's the intro that we're going to play at the beginning of the show this week. What do you think? Sounds amazing. Still amazing what $5 can get you. <laughs> I feel like I'm a rich American tourist in Tijuana. Look, what can't I buy with this $5 bill? You could get a foot-long sandwich or a audio promo for your podcast. Yeah, that is not bad stuff. Um one makes you fat, the other makes you a fat cat. Fat cat. You feel like a fat cat when you get all this uh, artistic work for hire for only $5. Like last week's J-Moon uh, rap. That was pretty different. So you're planning on recycling these, using them again? Or are you going to do a new one for each podcast? I would like to do a new one for each podcast until we get something that we really like or something that until our... Uh, no, until I just get bored and forget. <laughs> the uh, driving factor behind s- most of your decisions? It sounds good at the time, and then, oh, I forgot. Story of my life. But the work for hire thing, it's really nice to be able to get, uh, get a creative work for hire and not have to pay royalties. Kind of like... Disney and Marvel. <laughs> so big news in Disney and Marvel. Yeah, the Jack Kirby Marvel settlement. Not it a lot was, about it is known at the moment. I think that's part of the settlement. Yeah. Um, Jack Kirby's estate was suing Marvel, uh, a.k.a. the Disney Super Corporation. And uh, the mightiest mouse in the land chose to settle out of court. So we have to assume that, well, I don't think we can assume, but I'm guessing that it was a one-time cash settlement, that Marvel and Disney would not be foolish enough to offer future percentage. Not even... Not even a little crumbs, not even like a, a quarter of a half a percent. No, I, I think they said, take this, go away. Stop bothering us. Yeah. Well, Jack Kirby wasn't really complaining too much about it. Well, you know. You know, being dead and all. But there were unusual apparitions in the haunted house that uh, had people worried. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the Jack Kirby estate settled out of court. And an interesting thing was, it was about to be, uh, I think it was about to be... It was heading towards the Supreme Court. Yeah. Supreme Court of the United States of America. SCOTUS. I mean, another copyright victory looming for uh, the Mouse Corporation, maybe? Well, I think the fact that they decided to settle just before they went to the Supreme Court indicates that maybe they were a little worried about the outcome. Yeah, shades of uh, the 1950s record industry lawsuits, I guess, looming over them. 
artists didn't get royalties in those times. They didn't own the stuff they wrote because they were work for hire contractors. Interesting. I guess it leaves the door open for somebody else. Maybe someone else can come in and say, hey, I created. Put your character name here, you know. So, yeah. Yay for Jack Kirby's ghost. He's finally getting the credit he never got in real life, <laughs> which is crazy because we all know he was the the counterpart to Stan Lee. And he was a living legend when he was putting stuff out in the early 90s before he passed. Well, he's still a legend. Yeah, he's just not living anymore. Yeah. But I mean, he's not. he may not have been as wealthy as he deserved to be. He obviously was no Stan Lee. But uh, he definitely had a following and the acknowledgement of his peers. He, he had respect. Well, yeah, he had respect. Yeah, from, from fans and professionals alike. And really, short of a big fat bank account, what more can you ask? I suppose, you know, being able to put food on your table and send your kids to college is, is nice. But respect does go a long way. But it's not to say he didn't have those things. We we don't know what his life was back when Stan was getting super rich. But we know back in the nineties he was uh he was headlining his own titles. When did uh, Jack Kirby pass? Ninety four. Ninety four. Did you ever meet him? I I did not. No. no. Which is really odd. I mean, it's one of those things where I wasn't paying attention to the fact that your uh, your idols could die. I mean, short of like getting shot like John Lennon or going down in a plane crash like Richie Valens, the thought of your idols dying of old age, I guess it just didn't occur to me. A sign you're getting older when people you like die of old age. That is... Uh... That is definitely an indication of uh, getting older. That's why it was really important for me when um, Bernie Wrightson came out to Los Angeles for uh, Anaheim Comic Con a few years back. I grabbed my first uh, print of his professional work. It was House of Mystery, and I forget the number, to go and have him sign. That's what I got hanging up in my hallway in the house. Well, that was one of the things that I... I loved, well, I suppose I still do love about uh, San Diego Comic-Con is there were so many personalities there that uh, whether it was uh, authors, uh, producers, actors, uh, writers, um, I I got to see and uh, be part of a panel that Robert Jordan was on. um, And, you know, it was just a, a couple of years later that he passed. Uh, much to the consternation of many people that were reading his books. But, uh, yeah, the um, that was something that's great about going to cons is it, it's not always just going there to do things. It's getting to meet the people, the, the people that you respect, the people that uh, you model yourself after, that you that you look to to inspire you. And, um, well, so, uh, today, um, is the last day of Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Long, Long Beach, Beach Comic Con. Yeah. Um, kind of sad that I'm not there. 
but real life gets in the way. Was there anybody that you wanted to see at Long Beach Comic Con, or did you avoid looking at the guests? I knew I wasn't going to be able to go this week, so I stopped looking just so I wouldn't like uh, feel that pain a little deeper. <laughs> I mean, Stan Lee's going to be there, and that's great. I mean, when Stan Lee dies, Stan Lee's body's still going to be there. I mean, I think someone's going to just mummify him and take him to places and... And people are still line up for his autograph. He'll have, a, they'll have. Well, since he's a, in cahoots or in, in partnership so deeply with Disney now, they can just uh, they can build an animatronic. Yeah, animatronic Stanley. They'll just animate Stanley's body. It will be Stanley, but it will be Disney animatronic enabled. Let's wonder what makeup and formaldehyde can do. Yeah, it's going to be great. I want to get one of the first. St- Stanley mummified animatronic autographs there are. I'm going to be in line for that one. Stanley died yesterday, but he's going to be at San Diego Comic-Con tomorrow. You'd be like, "Wow, Stanley's never been so uh so alive. I felt like he was really there." <laughs> Thanks to Disney, folks. So You've made some significant progress in the studio here. Um, Gotten a lot of room carved out. uh, Gotten things cleared out, put away. How close do you think you are to um, being able to set up a shot and um, make a video? Yeah, look, we're weeks, if not days, away. And when I say weeks, I'd be surprised if it were more than two. Definitely days away from being able to shoot anything. I'm really excited about getting in here and setting up the lights just to do tests with the camera and the light kit. Now, what uh, what sort of flats are you planning on um, um, building right away? Um, and could you explain to me a little bit more about how you plan on constructing your flats? Well, the flats are going to be simply uh, constructed out of one by threes with... Uh, with drywall, whatever's cheaper, drywall. And I think drywall's cheaper than, than melanin, so and it'll be lighter weight. Yeah. So we'll just construct the, a bunch of those up. Yeah, the other great thing about drywall is it paints so well. and It does, it does. And uh, I'm going to build a few flats for the, the forest backgrounds. So basically just kind of generic earths and greens in the background because the flats aren't primarily the background for the show. And then we'll probably build four or five flats for uh, Eat This. That way we have a normal looking wall because we don't want to do eat this with somebody standing out in Klaus's house or in the cursed woods themselves. Yeah, that might be a little distracting from the the concept. A man standing in a painted forest eating, a, tw- eating a Twinkie. <laughs> I'm going to eat this Twix cookie bar and uh, ignore the rabbits popping around behind me. Not just normal rabbits, the vampire rabbits. They look mighty hungry, and they don't want my candy. So the uh, the flats, eight foot tall, six foot tall, they have to be taller than your actors, don't they? 
Well, I'd hope so. Otherwise, it's going to be like uh, that scene in Spinal Tap where they drop Stonehenge down on the stage and the little people are dancing around it. While funny, not actually very productive or believable. Now, the flats are going to be the flats are going to be um, four by eight freestanding. They're going to uh, fill the space up in here, make a good backdrop for various comedy sketches. So I'm just looking around and thinking, okay, so you're going to need to do a little bit more space clearing here. Nice thing about the flats is, though, they break down yeah. flat. The foot yeah. on the back disconnects and the flats can stack. Okay. So they will only take up uh, a little bit of space. Eight by four plus how thick they are. So you can't beat that for economy of space. Nonetheless, it needs to be built. Yeah, and they're but they're surprisingly fast too. If you've ever okay, if you've ever framed up anything, that takes just a moment. As long as it doesn't require a hospital trip. Half the time when I'm building up stuff, I uh, have a car ready to go to the emergency room. What about progress on puppets? Oh, progress on puppets. That has been the exact opposite of progress on the studio. I suppose it comes down to time for one equals less time for the other. Yeah, yeah, and I was out here clearing out the space and getting this set up 10 hours yesterday. You know, yeah, we have a space to do the podcast. That's nice, but uh, actually we have space to do a video shoot if we wanted to do it in front of a insulated garage door. I was going to say all you need right now is those flats you're talking about, and you could do some shoots. I also have um, clock backdrops, but... They look kind of creepy. So I'm starting to understand why Hollywood and filmmakers like short actors. Because tall actors just have to be a pain in the ass for your your shot and Well, yeah, you definitely have to get creative with your backgrounds. Or, uh, really buy expensive tripods you get to you have to buy some really expensive tripods if your actors are tall because you need a taller tripod you don't want your camera looking up at one actor and looking down at the others well being being a tall person myself i uh i have a somewhat twisted view of the world um everybody is pretty much shorter than I am and I can't help but look down on them figuratively or mostly mostly figuratively (sighs) what you say you're short definitely literally you don't want to you don't want to just pass judgment on people because they didn't grow more in their teen years ha looks like you didn't drink your milk you're not worth talking to I uh, obviously was the beneficiary of good nutrition. 
and um, all the European growth hormone in those mad cows. So for Harold, the owl, you need a beak. Yes. Well, I don't need it. He does. There's not much of an owl without a beak. I, I think Harold is okay with who he is. He doesn't need the beak to to express himself or prove himself. Well, he needs it to eat. Now that that is a that is a different story. And eating is very important to Harold, and it's very important to the storyline because Harold likes to eat, and he likes to eat bunny rabbits. Now the beak is it going to be sculpted? Or are you making it out of fabric? No, the beak, the beak is going to be sculpted. I'm sculpting the beak. I may be building it uh, out of paper mache after I get the, the clay sculpted down. But I'm really, I'm sculpting his beak out of clay to get exactly the right shape that I want, which is probably a ridiculously, ridiculous amount of overkill. But it's just the way I like to do things that I'm starting from scratch. If I don't start from a, a clay base, I start from a hard paper base, like wads of paper taped up, shaped, and then I'll build over that. A lot like uh, the jack-o'-lantern heads I have or my monsters sitting around the, the studio. So I'll go over uh, Harold's beak when I have the final beak ready. It's going to be obviously two parts, the lower beak and the, the upper beak. And Harold is a primary character in the first episode. Harold's a primary character for the first season. Okay. So there's no, no skimping on that. No, no, he can't be a quick throwaway. Harold's got to be, his stuff's got to be there. He's got to be able to shoot for... 12 episodes. Now, the other puppet you were planning on working on was the French Onion. French Onion. French Onion is actually going to be constructed just like Harold's Beak. So I'm going to be making those guys at the same time. So a wad of paper. I'll tape it off. I'll get a French Onion look. I'll wad up paper and then tape it up and get a basic onion shape. When it's big enough, I will then apply either paper mache or um, Wonderflex. I really wanted to try some Wonderflex. I want to try and make an entire puppet out of Wonderflex, but I'm not sure I'm going to do that with the French onion. Maybe I'll do that with one of the other produce-type characters. All right, for the non-creative, what is Wonderflex? Wonderflex is like a, it's plastic that you heat up to take shape, and then when it returns back to room temperature, it hardens in the new shape that it's in. Okay. I've worked with something like that in the past. Um, it's like Warbler, Warbler, Wonderflex. Um, there's another name for Kydar. Kydar? No, I don't use it. Like German? No, it's it's probably an industrial name for a heatable, moldable plastic. Kydex? It, I don't know. Kydex, not Kydar. But yeah, you do it with the simply simply do it with a heat gun. 
shape it and let it uh, return to room temperature. Cool. Back in my uh, SCA days, um, people would make bits of armor out of kydex. It was something they typically you'd wrap a wet towel around the appendage that you wanted to shape it to and <laughs> put the kydex in the oven and then man if only the french onion were here <laughs> and then take uh, <laughs> what appendage would that be <laughs> take the heated sheet of kydex out of the oven and slap it on the uh on the appendage and hope that you had enough water in the uh the wet towel to soak the heat out of it before it burnt you yeah, you wouldn't want to put that on just any old appendage. <laughs> Some of my appendage I take better care of than others. Appendages. I, I don't think there's any appendage that I would be willing to not take good care of. I don't know. Sometimes my toes piss me off and I just kick them for the hell of it. So, yeah, I guess we'll be doing uh, Eat This here on the set. I almost called it Eat Me, but... Uh, eat Me. It's uh, better than serving size. Yeah, definitely. Eat, eat This. Eat This. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll allow us... To, I'll throw up a... We can just throw up a couple of uh, just plain Fabric white flats. No, nah, just a couple of plain white flats. Just kind of look like a wall. Because mm -hmm. all we need is a wall and a bar and food. And some maniac to stand there and eat it and be done. The entirety of the video is I walk up to a package. I show you that I'm eating the single serving size. I eat it without hamming it up. No extra expressions. No, no overacting. No overacting. No acting at all. Simply an, an anthropological study of a human being eating a serving size of food. Eat this. This being whatever we have this week. So flats and eat this. Yes. And then somebody willing to, to walk up to a piece of food and eat it. I'm pretty sure we need to, uh, to guilt Adam into doing it. At least the first eat this. The fun thing about eat this is we can make thousands of episodes in very little time well if you want to make it look like it took place over this a longer span you can have the person doing the eating videos change their shirt yes yes definitely that gives you the illusion of passage of time yeah and i was thinking about having different people come in and eat the food but okay that's probably going to happen, but it would be so much funnier if one guy ate everything that you could possibly buy from a grocery store. That's another video. That could be a video series. I eat every food ever made. And that's a comedy video? How? Not really. It's funny that you make it. Sometimes things are just funnier because they exist, not because they are really funny at all. So I'm imagining 
trying to eat one of everything or one serving of everything in a grocery store and just going aisle to aisle and working your way down. It'd be like a marathon video. It, it you know, it, maybe time lapse. A, a, yeah, almost a masterpiece video. I mean, that would be amazing. I guess you could you could even get a crew to do it because eventually, you know, even if you can eat a lot of food, you go down an aisle, and I think by the time you're probably by the time by the time you're done with one aisle, you'd be ready to pop. <laughs> you'd be like after. Uh, a particularly good Thanksgiving dinner. I'm suggesting that this could take place over the course of years. I, I don't think you could do an entire grocery store in a short time. We're I think we're talking months, years. So not like an afternoon? No, definitely not. I think to just to get to the end of the bread aisle, you know, you're talking weeks, months. Yeah, especially some of those uh, really thick breads where a serving is two pieces. And then in, you know, China, they take these videos and show them as examples of Western decadence. This is American gluttony. Aren't you glad we only give you half a cup of rice a day? Don't you feel better about yourself? I don't want to know. Get back to work. Those socks aren't going to sew themselves. No lunch for you. You thought about it too long. Get back to building those iPhones, damn it. No more flexi screens. We could tell you weren't paying attention. Mm. Did you get the new iPhone? I have lusted after it, but uh, I have not purchased it. It says it's cutting-edge technology. Well, they always say that. It's like Samsung two years ago. Now they have the commercials out saying Samsung, we did this two years ago. And Apple's going. Yeah, and we sold it. (laughs) You used our plans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm actually really interested in the bigger screens. I don't know if I want to go the, what's the big ones, 5.5 inch. Yes. Um, but I'm definitely interested in the 4.7. Uh, that sounds like a, a pretty good size. And, you know, if I get my hands on a 5.5 and it feels all right, um, I could go with that. Well, they say it's the same size as Galaxy Note. Yeah. And I guess if you knew somebody with a Note, you could play with it right now. Yeah, I, I do know somebody with a Note. Um, and, you know, after seeing them use it for a, a year or so, it doesn't seem as big as it used to. I think we're getting used to bigger size phones. Like when you first saw it. When you first saw it, somebody... Oh, well, it was me. I was going to say somebody annoying said something, but that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I saw my coworker worth it, and I looked at it, and, uh, and I looked like Maxwell Smart talking into his shoe. So evidently sometimes you forget that you're annoying? I wouldn't say forget... I just don't think I'm as annoying as I am until I start telling a story about an annoying guy who said something, and that was me. But the shoe phone, that's that's a pretty good analogy. I mean, it's like the first time you saw somebody in a supermarket talking on a, on a Bluetooth uh, earpiece. You know, you're thinking to yourself, they look like a raving lunatic. And, you know, within a year or two, you're doing it. And... It's like, hey, Captain Kirk, you're not on, Star- on the Starship <laughs> Enterprise anymore. Take the Bluetooth out of your ear and focus on what you're doing. 
You know, I actually never did see any of the away team spend most of their time away talking on their comms. They had other more important things to do. Well, if you're out actually in the real world doing stuff, it probably behooves you and your safety to, to be aware of your surroundings yes. and not distracted by conversations with somebody not there. You know, much like the drivers on our roads should not be distracting themselves and because terrible, terrible things happen. Yeah, and it's usually not involving all terrible people. Sometimes the people that don't it happens to don't deserve it. Unfortunately. If only the idiots would be victims of their own stupidity. Well, we could always have a uh, cell phone lock on the car. Like, as soon as you start your car, you just overload the cell phone device so it can't get or receive any calls or messages. Just have a little car bubble of interference. Well, they do have cell phone jammers, but um, our... Uh our consumer economy wouldn't uh, wouldn't tolerate that. How dare you think you can interrupt my ability to distract myself on command? Right, right. I really have a hard time going into the movie theaters because people get so mad at me when I talk on the phone. And I have a right to be there, too. And if I want to tell my friend about the plot of the movie while I'm actually watching it, I should be able to. And stop yelling at my screaming baby. <laughs> He's only screaming because his battery died on his cell phone. So there's a car maker right now that's pimping one of their cars because it's the first car to have a Wi-Fi access point built into it. And I'm looking at that and thinking, so now you got to get a data plan for your car? That's uh, That's just crazy. Well, unless it's just, uh, I guess, a Wi-Fi access point. Yeah, that would, that's ridiculous. That's yeah, they have, ridiculous. It's a mobile hotspot that's built into the car. Does Netflix come on right when you start? That way you can watch a movie while you drive? In On your uh, six-inch uh, dash display that's... Uh, Screw that. It's a it's a HUD that goes... It's an overlay right above the, the, the driver's steering wheel. That way you can watch your movies to look at the road in front of you and trick the cops into think you're driving safely. And like the scene out of Independence Day when Will Smith is uh, fighting the aliens, then you're just gunning it because you're thinking you're driving and fighting the aliens too, but you're really just like going to pick your kid up from school. That's a new story right there. So it's not road rage. It would be something else. It would be uh, some adrenaline fix. You just get so into what you're watching. You just step on the gas and you go a million miles an hour. It was all okay until uh, the end of Thelma and Louise came on the screen. Gunned it right over the Hollywood Hills. Like, this is the greatest movie ever. Ah! Now, you recently acquired a um, a 4K camera for the show. I did. During planning stages for the show, a 4K was not affordable. And then as we're getting closer to filming, some Panasonic this year changed the game with, with actually affordable 4K cameras, the GH4. And then... Uh, 
most recently with the the Lumix FZ1000. Now, I wasn't going to do 4K right now because I thought, you know, season one of the Bunny Rabbit Tragedies is just going to be full of mistakes and quality issues and, and stuff we can't predict until we're actually shooting the show. But with the, the FZ 1000 dropping down, it was released at a, a price point under $1,000. It does 4K at 30p, which is fine for web series. Like um, the YouTube, we plan to release on the videos on YouTube. But a couple of weeks ago, Panasonic issued a press release regarding a firmware update for the FC-1000, allowing it to do 4K at 24p, which is important for uh, the filmic look. 24p or 24 frames per second is what we're all used to seeing on film, and we find that aesthetically pleasing when it comes to film. Anything faster than that, and our brain interprets it as like videotape. You know, you get that realistic it looks real, but for some reason, it just looks a little less believable, a little less dramatic. Well, film is held. It's uh, moving pictures. It's a century old? Over. Yeah. Over, yeah. The advent in the, what, 1890s? Um, movies as we know them in the early 1900s. So for over 100 years, we've been conditioning our brains to expect that a film is 24 frames per second anything more than that looks fake to us or it looks like television like shot on videotape videotape is what people used to use <laughs> to record stuff on before digital media came out remember this is kind of sometimes old guy show like, I remember when I was listening to my record player, and then cassette tapes came out, and I was like, oh, that will never last. Now, <clears throat> the 4K video camera, um, you're not going to be putting content out there at 4K on YouTube. Maybe not true 4K, but YouTube does have higher than 1080 resolution available to it. But what are some other things you can do with the content that you shoot at 4K? Well, I'm, look, I'm looking to the future with the, the release of Blu-ray 4K. So when we get everything together and we release a, a disc, the episode one on disc, we can actually release it at 4K. Um, the other advantages to 4K is it takes special effects better. You can work... You can be a lot more exact with your special effects. Or if you get to the point where you need to crop so many pixels out of the image because you see bouncing hands all through it, <laughs> you got a lot more to work with. So like when you're shooting on old-fashioned film for a, uh, a print, you can crop that and size it to whatever you want. So, <laughs> I 
puppet stands, uh, the bucket that holds the puppet stand pieces, it's uh, spilling over. Shifting. So like you'd crop a, a photograph when you were making a print. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that with a video. You can do virtual panning and zooming. You can, you can. So that's going to be a nice ability to have. And you don't know what you're going to need with a puppet show like this. You don't know how many arms you're going to have pop up in a scene. So if you have to shave it down a little bit, you're not going to lose anything. Because ultimately, you're going to be mastering down to 1080 anyway. A lot of times, we'll be mastering down to 1080. So the resolution will be a lot clearer. So yeah, I was really excited to be able to get my hands on an affordable 4K camera. Because even with the Lumix being a, a fixed lens a fixed zoom lens fixed to the body bridge camera um the only other cheap option that you had to go like that was the sony 4k camcorders which are two thousand dollars a pop so economically speaking this this camera is half less than half the price of a sony 4k camcorder and considerably less than uh, a red epic (laughs) which would come in at i think Twelve to fifteen thousand dollars, if they're still on sale. And I'm not quite like uh, I'm not digital playground where I can afford to shoot everything on a red, get that 4K resolution. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's adult film company. <laughs> they they have a license to print their own money. When it comes to the puppet show, we'll be uh, lucky to get. Uh, we'll be incredibly lucky if. All the people that listen to this podcast, watch the show. (laughs) Because I think the only people listening to this podcast just are bored out of their mind and and happened across it. I checked their stats, and we had six six listeners last week. Like, who are these people? I need their numbers. We have to have, like, call them and, and talk to them on the show. If you... You know, the sad thing is they probably aren't going to come back for this week. So they'll never know we talked about them. (laughs) It's just six random listeners. It's from the the traffic pump system we got going into the website to see if we get any takers. Uh, The people that downloaded and listened to the show probably don't even speak English. I don't know what they're saying, but they seem to be laughing a lot. So Kamikaze is five weeks away. Yeah, Kamikaze is approaching quickly. Uh, October 31st, November 1st. You've got the camera. You've got, got the camera. Got the studio. Sure. So, the studio is more or less ready. Yeah, throw up some backdrops, maybe a couple flats. Bring in some uh, fake foliage for... Uh, to make up the cursed woods and we're going to be able to to shoot something in here so you you really need to get some of your um, your puppet actors um committed and getting ready for their parts it's true it's true um it looks like maybe a couple people that have wanted to sign on early on are now not available for whatever reason, mostly because when I try to get them, they don't answer anymore. 
I know their numbers work because I know them. But Adam put me in contact with someone new, and uh, I actually discovered that one of the people I already know was a secret puppeteer. A closet puppeteer. Apparently not so much. It's just uh, during our conversations, it never came up. Mostly because in real life, I don't like to tell people what I'm doing over and over and over and over again. Hey, how's that bunny rabbit show coming? It's not coming. It's the same as all the time. Or, uh, hey, did you hear what I'm up to this week? Man, I was sewing together a new version of Klaus because these ears rock. These ears are so good. Not like the first like felt ears on the inside where there were felt on the inside and fur on the outside. These actually use high-quality fur, and I shave the ears down. Just like the way I shave his face. Oh, Klaus is starting to look so good. And people just like walk away kind of scared never to return. Now, how many actors do you expect to be in a typical shot is it just going to be two characters or are you going to have three four characters in a shot mostly two and three mostly two and three there are a couple scenes in the first season where there's four um in a shot but actually in a scene there's a uh, one scene Toward the in the in the climactic finale, which is like six six characters in that scene. How about episode one? Episode one uh, never gets beyond three. Most of the shots with two. Most of the shots are most of the shots are twos twos and ones. Um, the only three shots are over the shoulders, so they don't actually have to be done with three active puppeteers so much as it could be almost just be uh, establishing. But uh, episode one is uh, mostly Klaus and Desmond, Klaus and Desmond, Klaus and Desmond, Harold, and then Harold, Klaus, and Desmond in the same scene, then Cleo and Harold in the same scene. Episode one is Klaus, Desmond, Cleo, and Harold. And Cleo... It's the cat. That's the familiar. Yes. Technically, Harold's the familiar, too. There are three familiars in the Bunny Rabbit tragedies. It's kind of like a witchy thing. There's three of them. Um, There's Cleo, the cat, Harold, the owl... And uh, Bernie, or B, I call her B. Um, she's another bunny. She's Ella's best friend, who, unbeknownst to Ella, is a familiar to a human. Sounds like a pretty charmed arrangement. <laughs> I wish I could come up with a joke off of that. <laughs> or just maybe have Alyssa Milano in it. We have... The actress for Ella, and I'm playing Klaus. Desmond might not be coming through after all, <laughs> but I know a couple other guys that uh, I I know a couple other guys whose work I I like, so I'd like to audition them for Desmond and Harold. 
So we'll have to set up auditions for the characters, and then I'll have to have the, the script available so people can read lines from each character. Now, do all the characters have speaking parts? Is Does the owl have a speaking part? Yeah. They wouldn't be characters if they didn't have speaking parts. I'm an engineer. I don't know these things. So, Well, it'd be ridiculous to have a puppet show where the puppets come on screen and they never talk. Not a pantomime show. So I really went to all this trouble to make these uh, puppets with mouths that move. And then we're going to get in there and we're going to pantomime every episode. Like, I hate mimes, and I hate puppets, and I'm going to watch a show where the puppets mime everything. I was imagining scenes where Harold is diving and flying and was really not saying very much. Well, we definitely don't have the kind of money for those types of scenes. It would be fun to have a chase scene with Harold. I have a chase scene in the first one. We're really, not really a chase scene. There, there is a chase scene in the first one, but it doesn't involve Harold. First episode after Klaus and Desmond meet Harold, they run away, but then Klaus gets chased by something. He assumes it's Harold, but ultimately it's a human vampire. So, yeah, it would be really great to have Harold leap off his perch, spread wings into the air. Yeah, wings. No, Harold's wings aren't going to spread, not for the first season. I was working out spread wings, and that's difficult. And and when they're folding, they don't look so believable. So you actually have to have two sets of wings anyways. You have to have uh, retracted wings, and then you have to have wings that open up. So... There may be wings that open up on the final episode, but there are not wings that open on the first one. Can't have a, a goal to work towards, though, man. Well, you don't really have to have the wings open in the last one either. They just have to you know, move like arms. So at my house, there's been a lot of video games played the past couple of weeks. Video games on your phone? Video games uh, on your Xbox? Video games on my Xbox 360 and our Wii U. Yes, we're actually one of the, the households that bought a Wii U. It's like a club of 15 of you, right? Well, uh, I primarily got a Wii U um, because Lisa loves playing the Wii and I just couldn't stand looking at the graphics coming off the Wii. Uh, it made me want to claw my eyes out to look at a a 480p picture on my 50-inch plasma screen. Some reason that doesn't bother Lisa, but uh, yeah. That's I, a girl thing. I think that's a girl thing. I don't know if their retinas are different than ours or whether it's their brains are different, but no. yeah. I have a 1080p TV, and I'm super excited about the new Ultra HDs coming out. And there are some that are really affordable right now. And my wife has no interest at all in them. She just thinks it's another thing to waste money on. Well, she's not wrong about that. It, <laughs> it is another thing to waste money on. But yeah, the, uh, the attraction for the Wii U was that it's actually a, a 1080p system and... Um, there are games for it that that are 
designed and built in 720 and 1080p and I can look at them and not want to claw my eyes out. Um, she's been playing Hyrule Warriors, which is a, a very, it's a pretty game. Uh, they have a lot of high quality um, anime style uh, graphics and animation in it. Um, it's very fluid, very, uh, very colorful. Uh, it's, it's pretty good stuff. It's, it's a departure from her typical game. It's a very action-oriented game with a little, uh, little tactical layer thrown in there. But visually, the game is stunning. So what's the point? The point like Rescue Zelda? Uh, pretty much. Uh, it is at its core a Zelda game. And in the first scene, uh, Zelda gets kidnapped. And like 95% of uh, titles from Nintendo, Zelda gets kidnapped. So you should have to go through levels like um, and fight the Koopa Troopas? Well, you have... Um, you have appearances of almost every character that you can imagine. Uh, From the Nintendo Empire? Yes. So Donkey Kong's in there? No, no, they don't have Donkey Kong. Uh, they don't have Mario Brothers, uh, but uh, specifically from the, the Zelda franchise. Okay. Um, they span uh, characters from uh, Ocarina of Time, um, from... Uh, uh, all the all the Zelda games, and they even have a uh, uh, the legacy um, Zelda game from the original uh, the eight bit system. The eight bit system, yeah. The link with the little pokey sword that yeah. comes up out of his head skulls. That that's separate from the main game, but they do include it as part of the uh, part of the offerings on it. But it's not a mashup of Nintendo franchise owned characters you don't have like godzilla coming in there or no no godzillas um no mario brothers it mainly takes all the heroes and all the bosses from the other games uh, rebuilds them in a modern high resolution environment Uh, but it's played in a battle style where you have a map and you're fluidly capturing uh portions of the map and you'll have um missions that are ongoing during the battle so is this set in the appropriate hyrule area or era or is this like in new york city uh the the backgrounds uh the backdrops are all uh scenes from uh various uh, incarnations of zelda uh, so you'll you'll kind of get the feeling of oh yeah i remember when i fought this boss in this game and oh yeah i remember this from when i I fought this other boss in in Zelda. And so Link's not going to hop into a car and carjack somebody in order to get to the center of town and save the uh, princess. It's all fairly consistent okay. um, with the Zelda universe, whatever defines consistency in the Zelda universe. And because that's happening on our... Uh, on our main television in the living room, uh, I've been playing Sims 4 on uh, on the laptop. Uh, Sims 4, I, I'd have to say the main 
achievement of Sims 4 is your Sims can now multitask. They can eat food and watch the television at the same time. They can talk to more than one person. They can have a conversation that includes multiple people. That's a big step forward in in the Sims world. Do the Sims still make out with each other? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. they can watch TV, eat food, and make out with each other at the same time? Uh, you know, getting Sims to make out in, in this particular uh, version of the Sims seems to be more difficult than in past. Uh, in Sims 2, Sims 3, I could get Sims to make out at the drop of a hat. But in Sims 4, you, you got to work it. They, they make you uh, put some time in before that's going to happen. So you have to actually make your sim go on dates and win someone over in order uh, to suck face? Yeah, to, to really uh, achieve um, your goals, you, you have to so you just put in can't date put time. Two and... sims in the same house, give one a ham sandwich, turn on the TV, and then do it doggy style, and that's all going to go down that easy? No, no, no. You you have to set it up, and you have to you have to woo the uh, the other sim. Well, ham sandwich and television—that sounds like a date to me. <laughs> uh, evidently, some of the sims have higher standards than you. Unbelievable! It's obviously not realistic. And what other game have you been playing? You, you mentioned your Xbox. You, you mentioned earlier that you were playing something called um, Destiny. Yes, I, I tried out Destiny. Um, it's kind of like a cross between uh, uh, what's a shooter that you play? Battlefield. Battlefield. Um, it's kind of like a cross between EverQuest and Battlefield. You. It's kind of a first-person shooter style, but you have quests and you have interaction with the MMO players and you can form teams uh, to help you go take on particularly challenging missions. You can, you can solo, uh, but you're probably going to run into a mission that is just too difficult for you to complete with uh, just by yourself. And it's set up for teams of one two and three on on the missions and then they so have is this that modern times or is that future it's that... future you're using all sorts of futuristic weapons and like future earth is uh, the game in english or is the game in like some alien thing uh, the game is it starts out on earth earth has there's been a catastrophe that's happened um and an alien visitor is actually uh, protecting the last city on Earth. It's um, the alien presence is known as the Traveler, and uh, the Traveler is protecting the last city remaining on Earth. And you're part of the people that are trying to um, to reclaim. Um, living space for human beings and move off planet and so it does have an arena though where you get to do the um the first person shooter uh fast action team combat sort of stuff maybe like a team fortress kind of thing so yeah. you can 
So you can just get in and get your your violent craving sated. And I'm I'm about as good at that as you can imagine. Uh, spawn die, spawn yes, die, spawn uh, die. I think I'm what uh, first person shooter players refer to as the goat uh, that you kill repeatedly um, and that you really don't want on your team. So this visitor, traveler, does he look like a human being? Uh, no. Is he no. some type of amorphous blob? No, the traveler is a sphere. Ah. It's a giant sphere hanging over the last city. Like he's energy? I, so is it, is it, uh, is it uh, a riddle or something that you're supposed to solve? Yeah, I think so, because um, so far I've pl- I played my character to level six, and during that that time none of the narrative has really given away what the what the traveler is but it's just a sphere hanging above the earth and evidently it was discovered on mars when uh, humans first landed on mars they discovered the traveler and well that doesn't bode well because mars is not like inhabitable so whatever it did to mars if it's going to do that to earth it's not gonna things won't bode well for our heroes well, um, yeah, but the Traveler um, does seem to be protecting the last human city. Well, also, if he did that on Mars, he's not very good at it. <laughs> Again, things aren't looking good for our heroes. I, of course, never played this. So I'm just messing with you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, but I think it offers all the... Uh, f- for me personally, humiliation of uh, Team Fortress, Team Combat sort of stuff, uh, and all the time sink of an EverQuest-style MMO. Ah, uh, so the worst of both worlds. Yes, absolutely. It's It's got the time sink and the humiliation. Wow, that's like sex. <laughs> <laughs> Here, kids, this is what sex is like. <laughs> Pour a whole bunch of time and things don't work out well. You feel bad about yourself when you're done. That's it. Thanks for playing, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. I'm not dating anymore. Um, well, hopefully we have one or two listeners that, uh, you know, have healthy relationships and... Uh, of all you six well, people, how many of you have had sex? What are the chances? You know, we, we have to hope that our listeners are better people than we are. And oh, that's a low bar here. So, part of this podcast, the intent of it is to try and motivate yourself to hold yourself accountable um, and encourage you to get stuff done. So. What does CJ want to get done this week? Well, I could just say, let's get everything done. Everything's the goal all the time. Everything all the time. Absolutely. But uh, from a practical point of view, you're limited with the amount of time. And you have to look at your schedule. You have a five-week schedule now. Yeah, yeah. With Kamikaze coming up in five weeks... We want to be able to go to the convention and have at least an episode in the can. I say an episode. You you say test. I say an episode. I think they're one and the same. I think the first season is entirely a test. I think if it comes out well, 
we can reshoot the first season with better puppets, better backgrounds, or just go on to the second, the second season with uh, the new skills and maybe the in- insane influx of cash that I predict is going to happen. <laughs> Some people have better fantasy lives than others. <laughs> well, if you had my sex life, you would have my fantasy life. If you have a good one, you don't need a good the other. Anybody who has a good imagination probably sucks. Seriously, goals. Goals. Um, definitely a flat or three. Going to throw up a few flats this week. Uh, just have backgrounds for anything. If we come up with a, an idea for a funny office sketch, we want to have a couple of flats ready to go up and cover this uh insulated insulation covered garage door that would be predominantly in the field of view of the camera right now well i think the most terrifying part of the insulation is that it's a uh, silver reflective uh, material and that's gonna that's impossible to shoot anything against so we'll get the flats up and then uh because you need to start testing lighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, some limited light tests I did before we moved into the garage show that the, the compact fluorescent kits are really, really nice. Are the cool fluorescent lighting? Let's see if they're cool fluorescent lighting. Because it's not a million degrees like a tungsten light pinpointed on you. Which is going to be well, good because we don't have a lot of room here. It's a, two, it's a double garage, but still, you're going to find it pretty cramped when you get six puppeteers in here someone running sound someone running the camera it's going to be a lot of people so we'll get uh three flats built harold's beak and the french onion built this week and see what i said I have been reasonably certain Harold was going to get done and the, and the French is going to get done every week, three, three weeks running now. We can probably uh, encourage you to get some of those done. And I think things like building the flats, uh, I might even be able to offer assistance with. The, uh, the beak and the French onion puppet, obviously I can't offer any assistance with that. That's a creative thing, and not only do I not possess creativity, but uh, I would not want to take that creative element from you. Yeah, good luck trying, apparently. I don't let anybody help with that. If these guys all suck, we know who to blame. Building flats, though, that sounds like right up my alley. Yeah, and it's it's quick. It's quick. Um, Building flats is going to be quick. And then when we're building the flats for the bunny rabbit tragedies, running textures on different flats, that's going to be fun. I'm going to be able to teach someone how to to make texturized paint. So we'll have... All in all, I need four flats for the bunny rabbit tragedies and at least three for the sketch shows. Thing is, we can build the flats up generic. And then paint them as we need. So yeah, um, as far as accountability, this week, Flats, Harold's Beak, and the French Onion. And then hopefully, talk to a couple people that I know that want to come in on the project and we can get them going. 
I think we need to make um, serious interviews in testing a goal, if not this week and next week. Yeah, we seriously have to start that very soon. I agree. Um, by next week, at the latest, if we're going to get the people in place for the show. Because not everybody is a natural-born puppeteer. Just dead air as we look frantically look for a joke in that. I manipulate my puppet. Nope, that was dead. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be podcasting earlier next week than we did this week. In fact, if we podcast tomorrow, that's technically next week. I'm CJ Watson. And I'm Jack Fisher. And this is the Desperate Mothers Podcasts. Tune in next week, if you dare. <laughs>